Welcome to the Commander's Pod. Meet the cast. My name is Jeff. My name is Duncan, and together we are the, the Commander's, Commander's Podcast. Dropping in, everybody. Today we're going to talk about how to play magic while secluded, how to keep it going. Uh, this is pretty topical right now because of the we're right in the midst of coronavirus. Things are getting shut down. Game stores are either losing, uh, they're having to shut down entirely. Our local one hasn't shut down entirely, but all the game tables, we can't use them. It's only a retail space at this point. So this is talking about how you can play magic, how you can connect with other players during this time or whenever you're not able to uh, go into the shop or go into your normal play group. So we'll get to that in a minute. But first we're going to do a topic called That Doesn't Do What You Think It Does. These are things that we come across in the wild that we feel like maybe people can benefit from either our experiences or things we've seen that people either aren't doing correctly or aren't, aren't quite doing correctly. You want to talk about the subject of this today, Jeff? Yeah, today it's basically the idea that you're going to get in a situation where you're going to play a card. You're going to think it has a certain effect. Someone who has a lot more experience with you at Magic is going to point out that, I'm sorry, but you didn't see. That doesn't do what you think you're gonna, it does. And we've actually had some pretty good experiences with that in some of our games specifically. Uh, but I'll, Duncan's going to get more into the details of the cards here uh, because actually that was an experience with you playing some blue cards uh, that didn't necessarily do what we might have thought they did originally. Uh, and then also we have some specific cards in this in this section that we're going to talk about like Cavern of Souls. We're going to talk about Perplexing Chimera. And Duncan, can you talk to us a little bit about why those cards might not do what people well, think it's not, they do? It's, it's not those cards. It's the, the idea that a spell cannot be countered. If a spell says cannot be countered or effect gives a spell cannot be countered, uh, people tend to think that that's it. No reason to pass priority or check with anybody. There's nothing anybody can do. And actually some of the most amazing moments in magic can happen based on those cards. So sometimes it doesn't do what you think it does is... Not that it doesn't counter it, but that it doesn't, you don't understand what that means completely. And so while uh, the game functions and interacts with that is a little bit different. Correct, correct. Uh, so in this instance, let's give an example of like Cavern of Souls. Cavern of Souls is a land. It says as Cavern of Souls enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. You can tap to add a colorless mana. You can tap to, tap to add one mana of any color. Spend this mana only to cast a creature spell of the chosen type, and that spell can't be countered. So many people think they use Cavern of Souls. They cast their creature. Ta-da! You can't do anything. Ha, ha, ha. Right. Which you can do things. However, there are some things you can't do, and namely, counter it. But what are the other things that you can do to it, Duncan? So you can do things like bounce that spell back to their hand. You can use a spell like Failure. Failure is a two-part card with Aftermath. So the failure part is the part that's relevant. The other part is called Comply. We won't go over that part, but failure is one and a blue. Return target spell to its owner's hand. 
While that spell can't be countered, if you return that spell to their hand, guess what? Doesn't happen. Right, and that is an important thing, and that can save you. You're playing a Kalia player, which, by the way, that is in my Kalia deck. Uh, popping that back to my hand and slowing me down for a turn couldn't be the difference between a win early on and you having a chance to really, you know, defeat me. Correct. And if that spell that you just popped back into their hand was something they were counting on, they had already committed to an action and they thought that this spell was going to just save the day and make it so that nothing could be done about it. Mm-hmm. Now you've returned it to their hand and now you are free to deal with the rest of it as you see fit. So that's a really good way to handle it. Another example of something that can do this is Ashiok's Erasure. Ashiok's Erasure is an enchantment for two and two blue, has flash, and when it enters the battlefield, exile target spell. So very similar to the last one. Uh, your opponents can't cast spells with the same name as the exile card, which is nice because there are things that will get things out of exile. And when Ashiok's Erasure leaves the battlefield, return the exile card to its owner's hand. So again, with this spell, they play it. You now exile that spell. The spell fizzles. It does not go off. While it wasn't countered per se, that spell is no longer in effect. And it was stopped. It was stopped. So cannot be countered does not mean you cannot respond, you cannot do anything. There are things, now, honestly, these things come up very rarely, but the savvy players have things like this in their hand. I just played a game oh, a week or two ago that had a perplexing chimera in it, and while it never came up in this situation where there was a non-counterable spell, it is something that can interact with that. You want to read Perplexing Chimera? Yeah, so this is an enchantment creature, uh, Chimera, It's uh, four generic in blue. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, you may exchange control of Perplexing Chimera and that spell. If you do, you may choose new targets for the spell. So on this effect, it won't actually get rid of the spell. You steal it instead. That is beautiful. That is a sweet moment, let me tell you folks. When you get to do that to somebody who thought that their spell, not only did they think that they were going to get to use it, but they thought there was nothing you could do about it. Now, it's important to say here, guys, that as you're dealing with these situations and someone does this to you or you do this to someone else more specifically, be prepared for them not to understand why this works. So don't get angry when they say that doesn't work. Or, no, you can't do that because my card can't be countered. Just take a moment, be kind, explain to them and walk them through it. Help them unpack it and be prepared for a little bit of frustration on their part because they had no idea that could be done. You can always point them to this podcast as proof of your f- discovery. Yeah, nicely done, Duncan. Well done. So that's that's pretty much all we had to say about it. We just wanted to point out that some players seem to think, usually the newer players seem to think that cannot be countered means nothing can be done, and there are certainly things that can be done. Now, I know that there. I mentioned earlier that there was a time where we were playing and we ran into some issues with cards. We didn't know what they did. This brings up a good point. When you're in the middle of a game and you run into a situation where people are playing cards and there's some argument that might occur. One person says this card doesn't do that, another person says it it does this thing differently, and there becomes an argument. You have a choice to make at that point, right, Duncan? Very true. You can choose to argue and continue to use your own logic to argue that point. You can stop, you can look it up and try to see if you can understand all the rules, Or you could also choose to say, you know what, we're going to play based on what we think this does right now, and we'll look it up later. There's not necessarily a right way to do that. But guys, I'm going to encourage you, 
you should take time to communicate about how you're going to handle that situation as a group when it comes up because it can be the type of situation that really causes a lot of salt and hurt feelings. So just make sure you're prepared for that and that your game group has a way of dealing with it. And that's something we've talked about in previous episodes and I think it's something that is the most important aspect of playing magic with other people. Communication is key. When friction comes up, when you have problems, talk it out, make a group decision amongst yourselves. No one person is king, no one person to have say. Even if it's a rule, if it's a rule and three out of the four people don't want to follow it, you're in the minority. You either got to choose to go with the group or to find another play group. I mean, those are your choices, but, but keep the lines of communication open. It's really supposed to be a casual format. Rules aren't supposed to be that hard and fast that you have to follow every single one. If you don't like it, your group doesn't like it, you can play differently. Yeah, and just be understanding. Look, you don't have to be injured when you don't understand what a card does. That happens to every one of us. Even the most experienced player sometimes doesn't didn't completely see how all the cards were going to interact. Just be humble about it. It's no big deal. So what? You made a mistake. Move on. Exactly, exactly. So our next segment, Jeff, this is yours. Why don't you take this? Yeah, so this is what's aggravating me, which I, I love this segment because I have lots of things that aggravate me. So one of the things that aggravates me is um, when you're in a local card shops, uh, there is always going to be people that maybe don't have as many decks as you do or maybe their decks are not as tuned as you are. And if you happen to be a pretty generous person, maybe you're going to lend someone your deck. So here's the part that aggravates me. If you are being lent someone's deck, please understand that that might be worth a lot of money. And the type of things that you do with your deck are not necessarily things you should do with theirs. Be careful when you shuffle. Be careful how you handle the cards. And specifically for me, and I don't know if this is true for Duncan too, do not do the flicking of the cards or the hard tapping of the cards that you do in your deck. Have a little bit more care with someone else's cards and be careful, please. Nobody wants to see you flicking their $50 card with your finger, uh, even if it does make a cool noise when you play it down to the board. That is very true, and I see it all the time. The other thing, though, don't sit there and criticize it. Somebody let you use their deck. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think I mean, about that. If you want to give them some feedback when they're done, you can ask. Would you like some feedback on that? Yeah. And, and if they say yes, then by all means. But don't sit there and say, why are you playing this? You should have done this. Why do you have this in here? You should have yeah, this. Yeah, especially since you don't know all the interactions of the deck. Exactly, yeah, exactly. For so, sure. So not just physically, but emotionally, be gentle with these decks. Yeah, for sure. So I definitely agree with you there, Jack, Jeff. So the next thing I want to go over is the main topic today, and that's how to play Magic while you're secluded. Shout out to COVID-19. Yeah, we're definitely in the throes of it now, but this is relevance outside of that. You know, people get laid up with illness or with a broken leg or whatever. They can't get out to play, and we're going to talk today about options you have at home. So everybody has probably heard of Arena or Magic the Gathering Online. That's the first two methods that come to mind. Those are the officially licensed product, and those they're great products, both of them. Now, Magic the Gathering Online is an older program. The graphics aren't great. Uh, some of the communication can be rough, but that's going to be true of any of these for the most part. Arena, on the other hand, is the polish. This is the new program. This is great. The drawback to Arena, no commander. You cannot play commander. Ugh. 
Thumbs down. And uh, let's face it, folks, no matter what your opinion is of the Brawl format, it is a poor man's replacement for Commander. Whether you like Brawl or not, and I actually do like Brawl, it is not the same. It doesn't give you the same experience. That's right. So we're going to talk about some other options on how to play Commander online. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that both Jeff and I tried at one point, and we used this uh, with some friends just for some deck testing purposes, uh, was untap.in. This is a browser-based program. You don't need to download any software. The cards are all preloaded. You can create your deck. It costs $0. It is not a licensed product. I want to point that out. But it does allow you to play Magic online with other people. The drawbacks here are you must do all the interactions yourself. You must tap the cards. You must, if something is going to send something back to the hand, it is all done manually. There are no automatic movements here. And Duncan, do you have to monitor the other people that they're doing it correctly also? You do, but you know what? The same is true when you sit down at a table and play Magic. Yes, but you can you can see it possibly easier sometimes. It, it is easier when you're on a table and the cards are there. The Untap.in, it is your computer screen you're looking at. And if you have four players visible, unless you zoom in, the cards are very small. Sure. So it is sometimes hard to see what's going on, and you may miss stuff that they did, and then that can cause problems down the line because it shouldn't have happened in that way or something should have triggered. So these are things you have to track yourself, but it is a good way to go online, play some Commander with other people. Right. you got to find out what works well for you in your home. Right. Now, for me, I like the experience. I did have some problems with some of the people I played with, and I haven't played on their since then because of it mainly because of the interactions with the people but again that can happen anyway that's a good point too folks like as you're dealing with people and you're playing these games understand that the way you behave and the way you treat others can affect people playing this game and this is a game we all love we ought to be trying to make sure people have a good fun experience exactly not everybody shares that sentiments though you're going to run into people that have some abrasive personalities, some abrasive play styles. And the problem with untap.in, I don't know if you want to call it problem, they have a chat function. So you see what people are typing and they can talk to you. Arena doesn't have that. And I got to tell you, it is actually probably a really good thing they don't. Yeah, because there's something about someone who all of a sudden gets a whole lot more courage than they should have when they're not sitting across the table from you. Exactly, exactly. So that can cause some problems. It's nice to be able to talk back and forth through the chat, but also that can be one of the biggest drawbacks. So word of warning there. Another thing that I've come across is uh, Cockatrice. That is another one that has a similar function to Untap, but this one is a software that you download and run off your computer. So I've heard many different people talk about Cockatrice. Some like it better than Untap, some like it the same. General theory is that they're basically very similar. The difference being that Cockatrice is a little more stable because it's not in a browser. Yeah, and that's a stupid name. Well... I just don't know what it has to do with the, the game. but Yeah, the, mainly why I'm okay. saying it's stupid. Cockatrice, though, uh, for clarity, is not just for Magic. It is also for other board games. And I believe Untapped.in has other board so games. So maybe there's well. a reason somewhere it has that name. Maybe another board game it started with. It, I don't know. It very well could be. I don't, I don't know. The, the last option that I came across as far as computer software is Xmage. This one has one thing going for it that the other two didn't, and that is 
the uh, it has a lot of the triggers automatically occur. It has the rules kind of coded in, so you don't have to track all those triggers. Yeah, and going back to Arena, I think Arena does have all the rules built in, and it also does have some inter- interesting interactions with packs of cards and different things you can purchase and codes you can get. And right. So, and, and that's something to consider. Well, Commander is our main format. That's the one we love, mm-hmm. right? right? A lot of us, some of us don't play any other format. That'd be me. Yeah. I, I play I play some limited, some draft. Uh, Commander's basically, yeah, I'm not a standard player. I'm not a modern player. I like the singleton and the limited formats. But for some people, if you can, I highly recommend Arena. I mean, the, 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 it's fun to open packs, even if they're digital, you know, it's fun to open it up and get that rare that, you know, completes your deck or whatever. You can also, they give you wild cards and you can get cards that way. So if you're not into it solely for commander, arena is probably the way to go. And commander magic, the gathering online does support commander. The problem there is there is a cost involved. You do have to pay for the program, and you have to pay for your cards so you can build your deck. Now, with Arena, do you buy packs of cards with physical money? You can. You also earn them for winning. So you can choose to never pay them a cent, play the cards you're given, and use your wild cards to get the cards you need. It's going to be a lot slower, but that is an option. You don't have to pay them. Yeah, it encourages the pay-to-play type of thing, pay-to-win type of thing. So be careful with that because if you're buying physical cards and then you're also online— they just, you know, watch your budgets, folks. Uh, don't let it get out of control. Another another thing to point out is Arena's cards are non-transferable. Therefore, this money you spend on them has no real-world value. It is zero money to anybody and else. And there is no promise that they won't change it at some point. Exactly. They could, they could decide to reset the game next year and all the cards you have are gone. So just be aware of that. Magic the Gathering Online, those cards do have a real-world value. I'm having a problem with that term. The you know, words are hard. Those cards are transferable. You can buy them. You can sell them. You can trade them. So that's something to consider. I think consider. we're getting into the more the things that excite me a little bit more about our options here, Duncan. Well, we all know that you're you're profit driven, Jeff. Profit and winning. Those are the two things Jeff loves about magic. Well, yeah, because profit is winning. There you go. But we wanted to talk about something that I think is probably most people's best option. And that's using a chat software with video conferencing like Skype. Jeff brought up FaceTime, although if you use FaceTime, you're excluding your Android friends. Uh, but those those two, they're going to allow you to interact with your friends that you already have, your playgroup. You can play together. Just arrange your camera so you can see the table, and you're good to go. You can play the game with your friends the same as you always have. It's just now over a video chat. Yeah, and keep those social connections open and keep those friendships alive and that's there's some good things there so i highly encourage anybody who's who's struggling now to play magic reach out to your friends talk use the video chat give it a shot you can try different formats try the skype try the facetime any of the ones you can think of and see how it goes try it out if you don't like it worst case scenario at least you tried and maybe it'll by then the the seclusion will be over but it is an option and i think probably the best option overall Magic the Gathering Online is great for the Commander experience as far as being able to build and play your decks, but the interface is really old and clunky. Uh, And there's nothing to be said for 
being with the group you're used to, not having to to play with strangers, not getting the the salty, aggravating players that don't care if they yeah, bother you. You just get the salty, aggravating players you're used to. Exactly. Right. Devil, you know. Yeah. So one of the things we we haven't talked about here, Duncan, yet is that there's also the option. Now it's not very socially engaging, but it has some value to your enjoyment of the game later on. But that's, uh, I believe it's called gold fishing, uh, you had said earlier, right? Yeah, that's where you, you have your deck. You maybe just built it or you've already built it, and you test it out. You play it by yourself. You, deal your, you shuffle up, deal yourself a hand, and pretend you're playing a game against an imaginary opponent. This is going to let you see you know, how much card draw you'll run into, how your mana ramp works. It'll let you see when you run into cards that are like, wow, this isn't actually very useful in my deck. So even in this time where we're kind of secluded, we're stuck at our homes, if you can't get people on the line to play with you, you can actually just go through your decks and make sure they're more fun to play because nobody likes getting in a game that's going to last an hour and a half, sometimes three hours, uh, and you're not getting the right cards. You're not drawing cards. You don't have any ramp, and you're just stuck watching other people play Magic. And there's an important part that I want to point out to gold fishing, though. If you are using this as a method to test out your decks, that's, I think it's a great method. It really does work. But pay attention to what's happening. There are people I know who have done this at home, and they come up and they're like, nope, my deck's good. It's got enough lands. We're good to go. And they start playing, and they get no lands. Yeah, it is an important thing to take into account as you're doing that, some interactions that might happen. If you're around turn five while you're doing this, prepare yourself in this. Make a note as you're playing your deck. This is probably when a board wipe is going to happen. Uh, so have those things in mind. Don't build your deck only to do this. This is a very limited way of you seeing every card in your deck, seeing how they interact with each other, because... Sometimes, just like we talked about today, that doesn't do what you think it does. Sometimes it doesn't only do what you thought it does. It might do more than that. And once you're getting those cards in your hand, you're seeing their interactions, you might recognize some things you did not see before. Exactly. But also, if you miss your land drop, turn four. When you're playing by yourself, that's not a big deal. You're going to glaze it over. Oh, well, I missed a land drop. You get one next time. You keep moving. In real play, that can cripple you. You have to pretend it's a real game. If you're just going to play and you miss your land drops and you don't tweak your deck so that you're not missing so many land drops, it's not going to help you in the long run. Yeah, honesty with yourself is going to be real important, especially like in a real game, you probably don't start a lot of games with two land, right? You're going to want to make sure you try to have at least three lands or sufficient mana ramp, right? Well, when you're playing by yourself, you're like, I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and start with two lands. Oh, this is amazing. I drew it. Well, yeah, that's not real world. Don't do that. Play like you would play at the shop or with your friends and be honest with yourself as you're doing it. That's, that's the way you'll actually improve your deck. Otherwise, you're going to end up pulling lands out of your deck and having a worse experience when you play with others. Very true. And as Jeff said, this is a very viable option for while you're secluded. Go through your decks. Do some gold fishing. Really tweak them. Get, put them through the ringer. Pretend that things are happening. Pretend there's a board wipe turn four. How do you deal with that? Okay. That's a very early board wipe. Doesn't happen often. Could happen. What would happen? How do you handle that? How's your deck respond? Do you still have cards left? Yeah, there are some decks that are more difficult. Uh, so recently I'm trying to uh, do that with a Talran deck with counter spells. That's significantly more difficult. It requires a lot of notes, but it can be done. 
Exactly. So this is another option on something you can do. However, for those of us that want some friends, we may want to play with other people. We have given you some options on how to do that. Just keep in mind, when you play online, you don't usually get to pick the people you play against. So you're going to deal with probably some more aggravating people than you normally would. Just be prepared for that. Overall, I think the important thing is try a couple things out, see what works for you, and just have fun. Well, the next segment we're going to do is called Counterspell. This is where Jeff and I debate a topic or talk about a topic from differing viewpoints. So for today's topic, I wanted to talk about the profitability, profitability of magic. I can't even say it. I don't, it's not a thing I'm into. Jeff loves the value of cards. Right. Is that true? Yes, very much Fair so. Fair statement. I, I, I like the value of cards. It's an added bonus for me, but I don't care about the value of cards. I'd much rather have a fun deck to play than, than have the value there. It's nice that because I've spent the money, I do have some residual value in my cards to fall back on in case I ever got out of it, which I can't fathom happening unless that's just a scary thought. I don't want to go there. Yeah, and there is some balance here, folks. Like, just because the card's more expensive doesn't mean it's better. You have to pay attention to interactions in your deck. Sometimes that 35-cent card is much more valuable than that $10 card in a certain deck. So when you're going through and you're doing this and you have, okay, I have four slots open, I've got these type of cards I can put in there. Don't. That's not a time when financing matters. That's not a time when dollar amount matters. That's a time when mana curve and the value and what you need to do in your deck is what's going to matter, not the cost of the card. Right. So, so there is some balance you have to have here. For me, I do not care about the value of the cards. I don't like that there are cards that the general player cannot play that are super powerful cards. So what you're saying, Duncan, is that you prefer the idea that magic might release cards to lower their costs so that they're available to more players i will say it get rid of the revised uh, the reserve list i don't like it i hate it it is not a thing i want to be part of the game that i played when those cards were being played i was there i got to play with these cards everybody should get to play with these cards they're a lot of fun gaia's cradle is a ton of fun Yes, but the reason why this game sets itself apart is because of the value it's built up. And I think that reserve list holds a lot of that value. As soon as you get rid of that, you're going to, I believe, you're going to end up in a situation like baseball cards where they're just, they don't have any value. So people stop collecting them. Um, Because there's enough people out there who collect things for their value, you want to make sure you hold some of that. Now, what Magic is doing right now, where they're, dipping their toe in it they seem to be doing it safely right now i'm okay with that but they need to be very careful see i am on the other side i say get rid of the the ban list or sorry not ban list reserve list open up all the cards to all the players reprint everything don't make it super common rares and mythic should still have a place there should be less of certain cards but just think about this those investors that There are people out there, by the way, who only invest in magic. They do not play. That's correct. Those investors, when the reserve reserve list is gone, they're going to sell their stuff as fast as possible to get whatever value is left. Well, they're probably going to sell it before that happens. 
But those cards are going to be released into the wild because the only people buying them are going to be players. Yeah, but some of those cards we don't want to see at every game. There's a reason why Gaius Cradle is not seen in every green deck. Well, as soon as Gaius Cradle's 20 bucks, you'll see it in almost every deck. And I don't think we want that. But they basically reprinted it. Well, no. I mean, they that that card in Ixalan. Yeah, but you got to do a lot of stuff to get it there. And once it's there, it's better than Gaia's Cradle. Once it's once it's transformed, Ithmok has transformed, it's a better Gaia's Cradle because it taps for mana even when there are no creatures. But you got to do a lot to get there. Growing Rights of Ithmok, to me, it, it is the better Gaia's Cradle. It does take longer to get there. It isn't a Well, one... and it takes a card slot. It's not a land slot. Right, exactly. So, I mean, there are drawbacks to it, but it does the same function. So why don't so why doesn't Magic just do that? That's my argument. Do that. Create cards that are out there that aren't as unbalanced as Gaia's Cradle, that are not quite as good as Gaia's Cradle, but still allow someone to play a card like that. Most of my decks, matter of fact, all my decks right now have will have growing rights of Ithmok. None of them have Gaia's Cradle. Because I don't own one yet. But that's my point. You should be able to. If it's a legal card in Magic, you should be able to play it. Well, here's the thing. I can't own one. It's only like 250 bucks. Oh, is that all? Yeah. Oh, go so, buy four. So we can own one. We just got to make different decisions in your life. If that's what you want to buy, you can save 250 bucks. Just put $5 away a week for for a little while, and you'll be able to buy it if you want to. But I don't want to see it at every game I play. I, I just don't think that's fun. But but then ban it. No, because I you can see it sometimes. Like you can afford to, like Mana Crypt that I, that I pulled out of uh, Mystery Box, right? I have that in one deck. So I get to see it every once in a while. It's special when I see it because it's rare, because it's that much money. As soon as it's not that much money, there's a bit of an excitement that's removed for me. There are cards that people have never seen that yes. exist on that reserve list. Sure. I don't think that's So what right. do you think it does when they see it? They don't get this. No, you don't get to see most well, of these cards. No, you go to a, turn you go to a tournament, you go to a... a, a I event for magic and you can probably see one of those cards and it's exciting. It's like the Holy grail. It has value because it's special for me. The value is in the fun you get from playing it. Like I said, I have played, I, I used to own all the dual lands. I don't, I don't currently own any cause I'm just not going to pay that amount of money. Right. And my decks run fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it's fair. Dual Lands is a very good example to me of something that should just be released. It is not broken. But again, your decks run fine without it because you don't have to. A Dual Land dropping $150, $120, $200, it doesn't necessarily improve your deck that much. Like Gaia's Cradle will. Some of these cards will improve your deck that much. So there is a difference between like cards that are expensive worth buying, cards that are expensive not worth buying. Uh, I get what you're saying with dual lands, but I think that they've accomplished in a different way. They have enough lands out there, and they have enough good lands out there. And I think they're about to release a whole bunch of lands that are hard to come by uh, real soon in their new set that comes out. What's it called, Duncan? The secret layer. The secret layer. The secret layer that's being released in the game stores. They're charging a premium for it, though, $160. Yeah. You do get alternative art, and uh, well, we don't know what it's going to look like yet, but the ones that I've bought so far through Secret Layer have been pretty cool. 
Uh, but you, there are available for you to buy, but they are kind of expensive. I mean, right? I don't want this to be a pay-to-play game as far as that. Yeah, you got to pay to play. You got to buy the packs. But it should be a fun, casual game. But Magic has allowed that because all you do is you say you're going to allow proxies. And, and bo- both you and I know we have people in our group who play decks that are 90% proxy. We do. We do. Uh, that I do have a problem with. I would rather, especially when you're proxying cards with basically no value, a 20 cent card, a dollar card, pretty much any player can play that. I, if you're doing it to test your deck, more power to you. Go ahead. And I am a player who, as you remember, I went out and I bought proxies for all those old cards. Yeah. I bought all of them. I had Gaia's Cradle and I had the the, the dual lands. Dual lands. Yep. I had all of it. I have since taken those out of my deck. Uh, mm-hmm. The only proxy I can think of off the top of my head I still have is Invoke Prejudice. And really, that is a card I would spend the money on, but I just can't find one. The only proxies that I have are proxies like um, I think I own uh, three versions of a particular card that's 40 to $50. And I have four decks that it's in, so I have one proxy of it. Uh, and I think that's okay. If you own a copy of it, you can proxy But I wouldn't do that with Mana Crypt. Like, I own, I now own a Mana Crypt, but I'm not going to put a Mana Crypt in every one of my decks. Uh, and that's fair, but many people do think that's okay, by the way. Yeah, they do, and that's okay. And at the end of the day, if I, if I sit down at a table and someone wants to pull out a deck with 90% proxies and they want to play me, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Uh, I have no problem with that at all because at the end of the day, it's still going to be me playing against them. doesn't matter how expensive their deck is. Even if it's fake, they still have to beat me. Does it feel a little better when you beat them? Yes. Agreed. Absolutely. Agreed. I mean, if somebody's doing a proxy deck and it's all proxies, it does feel I, – I, I shouldn't admit it, but it does feel a little better. Now, to, to be fair, there are people that build proxy decks, but they're not building proxies that are $300 cards each. Like they, They're proxying $20 cards, and it's just because they can't afford – all the cards right and that's okay and, and that's fair like i said and if you're testing your deck that you know yeah. certainly valid i wouldn't want to invest the money until i've tested it sure but i do agree that you shouldn't be proxying cards and that. this goes back to another one of our discussions which was politicking because at the end of the day i really do think if you're a one-on-one player it makes a lot bigger difference if someone's going to proxy a 200 dollars card one-on-one when you're in a four-player, five-player, six-player game, which, believe it or not, we've done. I don't encourage six-player games. They're ridiculous. But in a four-player game, your deck can be amazing, but you're playing against four people, three other people. And so, you know what? Your deck is not all you need to win. Exactly, exactly. It really does come down to the player. So we've given you some viewpoints here. You know, neither one has convinced the other one they're right, I don't think. I don't think Jeff's going to come well, around. Well, we'll let the public decide. Uh, although if one of you wants to send Jeff a shirt says ban the reserve list, I'm, I'm okay with that. But Yeah, I need a new shirt. But, uh, you know, it's just something different people have different viewpoints. We wanted to share ours. It's a part of been a part of Magic for quite a while now that there is the reserve list. There is these cards that have insane values that the average player cannot afford. And let me say this. If you guys want to go out there and start using cards, like Duncan says, that – you can't afford and you want to proxy some and have fun and try them out, I encourage you to do that. In the same way, if you haven't gotten to Magic Finance yet and you want to try something else, there are lots of websites to go check out. There's lots of information out there. It it can be a fun thing to start doing a collection in that way. So, you know, think about it. 
exactly. But make sure you check with the people you're playing with when you pull out a deck that has proxies. Be honest. State what you're what you've got. Hey, I've got seven proxies in there. Hey, this is ninety percent proxies. I'm testing this. And out. also, let me say this too: even if it's not a proxy, you're going to run a guy's cradle in your deck. You're going to run expensive cards in your deck. That might not be appropriate from for some play groups. You're you're increasing your power level. You want to be. You want to be careful with that. And there's also a misconception that even if you only have one of those cards in your deck, as soon as they see it, they think that you're playing a CEDH deck. Yeah, you're going to draw hate. So <laughs> so, so be honest about that up front, too. If you've got yeah. those expensive cards, if you're able to afford them and you have it in your deck, let people know just up front. And that's always the key is communication. Yep. I really feel like that's something we come back to at the end of each of these podcasts is the communication. That's right. Well, I think that's about it for today. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks for joining our pod. We really enjoy you guys listening. Let us know how we're doing. Contact us at cast at commanderspod.com with any thoughts, ideas you have. We'd love to hear from you. Until then, thanks. This podcast has been produced by Whiskey Barrel Productions. For more information on our services, go to whiskeybarrelproductions.com or follow us on social media.